We got a Blue Jacket centered episode today, including talk about Adam Fantilli and then Jay Forster of Locked On Blue Jackets hops on with uh, Sebastian in order to talk about Denton Matejchuk and Stanislav Swozil. All coming up on today's episode of Locked On NHL Prospects. You are Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome back to Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On this podcast, we break down everything prospects related for you five days a week, Monday to Friday. I'm Hattie Kalakesh, joined by Sebastian High. We've got a Columbus Blue Jackets-centered episode for you today. First and foremost, we'll talk about Adam Fantilli. Uh, he got lit up in preseason by TJ Oshie. We'll talk about what adaptations are required in this game to really kind of gel to an NHL lineup and do a great job in the top six. And then Jay Forster of Locked On Blue Jackets will hop on for the next two segments. Uh, after that, we'll talk first and foremost almost with uh, Jay about uh, Denton Matejchuk. Then we'll end things off with talk about Stanislav Svozil, two defensemen uh, in the Blue Jackets system. Uh, before we get into any of that, first and foremost, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. New, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets uh, guaranteed. Now visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started and also if you're watching on youtube make sure to like and subscribe leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next and if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform uh, whether that's spotify odyssey apple Podcasts, whatever it is make sure to make us your first listen of the day it's always very much appreciated so let's get right into it with adam fantilli here um he got absolutely lit up by tj oshi i think um it was in the game against the washington capitals i think even Adam fantilli tried to um reverse hit tj oshi and learned very quickly that there's such a thing as dad strength. Um, so yeah, that was uh, that did not go well for Fantilli. Ended up on his butt. Um, it, it was really a fantastic hit by TJ Oshie. Um, but yeah, it made me starting to make me think. You know, this is the type of situation that Fantilli is going to see often as a bigger, more physical player who's, you know, going to be um, carrying the puck a lot. Who's going to be going in corners a lot. Um, what adaptations would you see in Fantilli's game that could kind of prevent this kind of thing from happening because this is how if this is happening on a regular basis as we saw with your Iselkovsky and his draft year yeah it's just a matter of time before he gets injured right yeah I mean it's kind of a case for a lot of 18 year olds that come into the NHL where some specific professional habits represent the biggest hurdles and I think like Wislavkovsky was very, very, very clearly the scanning habits that were a glaring issue as a rookie. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it was quite clear also going in, like like in his draft year, actually, like before he even was, was drafted by the Habs, that that mm-hmm. was something that he had to work on. With yeah. Fantilli, I never thought that scanning was a big issue for him at the NCAA level, but mm-hmm. the NHL is a different beast. And with the pace of play, with the lack of space and time, you have to be a really high-end uh, pre-scanner to uh, avoid getting hit and lit up yep. like that, especially if you're playing top six minutes. Like, Fantilli is likely going to get a fair amount of ice time this season, which means he's going to be playing against good competition. Mm-hmm. And that means that's going to be players that will not be giving him any space or time. And mm-hmm. that was quite clear here. I mean, it's, it was the last preseason game, which is always the one game that, where you see extra tenacity on both sides, no matter what type of lineup it is. And uh, Fantilli got really lit up. It was a true welcome to the NHL moment 
despite it not even being NHL regular season just yet. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I thought that it represented, uh, yeah, again, it, an issue that a lot of young players have in terms of thinking mm-hmm. they have a lot more time just because they're used to having more time, right? It's just a habit that he has to learn. Uh, mm-hmm. And he post-scanned on that time. And, and that was not enough because uh, TJ Oshie came in really, really quickly. And in order to be a dynamic difference maker with the puck on a stick, Fantilli is going to have to pretty quickly learn to scan at an NHL level, which mm-hmm. uh, I don't think is going to take him too, too long. He's His hockey sense is one of his strengths. He picks up habits pretty quickly, and uh, I don't think it's going to be as big of an, of a, an adapting period as it was with Slavkovsky, for instance. Uh, yeah. But definitely, uh, he got his bells rung, and uh, yeah, definitely a wake-up call. Yeah, for sure. We love those welcome to the NHL moments. We saw it with Connor Bedard as well in, in the shootout. Um, there was a specific shootout that he took against Marc-Andre Fleury uh, yeah. where it was a deke too too much and uh, he ended up on his rear uh, and, you know, the puck didn't go in and he's just sitting on the ice kind of contemplating life and Marc-Andre Fleury just <laughs> skates up, gives him a little tap on the back with the stick. Like, don't worry, kid, you'll get him next time. Uh, we love those moments, uh, and I think that there's a lot of lessons to be learned here for Fantilli. Um, but what's really promising to, for me with Fantilli is, first and foremost, the situation is not obviously in Columbus. I mean, there's not as much competition as center as, as you could wish. I mean, Patrick Laine was playing first-line center at one point in, in last year. Um, other than Cole yeah. Sellinger, maybe Kent Johnson, I don't see much competition there. And they're all young players, so it's just who's the better of the three. It's not like experience takes priority there, yeah. especially year that Sillinger had last year and especially with Kent Johnson just barely getting started um it's going to be interesting to kind of see them develop but for, for me with Fantilli you're looking at a player who has all the makings of a top six player I mean I, I'd be extremely extremely shocked if he doesn't at the very least become a second line center I think that's his floor um but I also think the ceiling's sky high with him and he can develop into something very interesting um but yeah, I mean, the scanning habit's never been an issue. It's just obviously, it's a new league with new parameters, with a new pace of play. It's different. It's a completely different ballgame than the NCAA, and he's still 18. So there's a lot of time to kind of develop that and learn the ins and outs of how to play good NHL hockey. But Fantilli has all the individual tools. They just have to come together. So I'm really particularly interested in yeah. what your projection is for him this season. Are we talking about half a point a game, less than that, you know, what do you see as a realistic kind of possibility for Fantilli in terms of point totals this year? I think with Fantilli, it really, really, really hinges on who he's playing with. If he's given minutes with Line and Gaudreau, he's going to put up a decent amount of points. Yeah. But if he's not, it, I think it might be a little bit slower. Uh, mm-hmm. He's not as refined as, as other draft eligibles are. So like, Connor Bedard and Leo Carlson, I think, are more NHL ready in terms of the style that they play than Fantilli mm-hmm. is. Uh, even Zach Benson, I think, is more NHL ready than than Fantilli is in terms of how he approaches the game. Yeah. And while I'm a little bit surprised that uh, that Benson has taken the opportunity and run in the way that he has, and mm-hmm. that he's been given every opportunity possible to show his abilities, yeah. uh, Fantilli, I think, will need a bit more time to adapt. So. Uh, I think that, honestly, I don't think that at the offensive production is really going to be what defines Fantelli's rookie season. I think it's going mm-hmm. to be really about the growing pains and the o- overall learning the professional habits of the game. Mm-hmm. But one more question I have for you is, if you were on the bench like as like a, a coach for Columbus yeah. after Fantelli skated back slowly from after that hit, 
what would your advice to him be? Like, would you just be trying to encourage him or would you give him like, specific tips in order to avoid that situation in the future? I'd honestly just tell him like, this is going to happen. And do you, do you, do you want to know how to prevent it? Just take a look before you get the puck. That's all you have to do. And you're able to sidestep that hit or make it play around it. And you're fine. Um, but I would hammer home the fact that, you know, this is an avoidable situation if you take a look before you get the puck, unless it's not, in which case it's either charging, uh, interference, or um, it's a good play by the opposing player and there's nothing you can do. Um, that would kind of be my approach to it, especially with a player who's probably never had to face a situation like this um, so far. I mean, he's a big guy. He's always played above his age group. He's always been stronger than most of his, of his uh, opponents. Like, this is probably new territory for him. It's just letting him know that this is going to happen. It's reality, the NHL. Um, and if you want to take his as you know, if you want to have the best chances of possible of not having this happen again, just take a look before you get the puck. That's uh, that's what I'd recommend. Um, but you know, who am I to say? I'm not an NHL coach, uh, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. Do, do you have anything else that you say differently, or not really? I, th I think I think I would have said something very similar. I think scanning is really a big thing there. Mm -hmm. uh, but I also think uh, I'd be curious uh, if, if Columbus worked with Fantilli in terms of learning to reverse hit, because mm -hmm. he's, he's the, he's a build of player that could be very, very effective in reverse hits yep. and kind of just like, like absorbing that contact rather mm -hmm. than, than having to sidestep it. And mm -hmm. I think that teaching him multiple ways of solving that problem, whether it be with his handling, with a quick mm -hmm. pass, with a sidestep uh, or with a, a reverse hit, I think he could do any of those really, really well. Mm -hmm. So I think if I were on the bench, I'd, I'd encourage him to, to think of all the different ways that he could have solved that problem. Uh, yeah. And if he would have taken a, a look at first, he would have had multiple tools at his disposal to solve that. And yeah. he had like probably like what half a second or a full second to do it. Like mm -hmm. definitely within the possibility for with Fentilius processing speed to, to find a really good solution to that problem. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like a lot of the best coaches will do that. They'll just so, show the player the clip and say, how, how would you have done that differently? How would you have prevented that from happening? Yeah. And I feel like that's a very useful development tool um, that a lot of coaches could utilize a bit more because just shouting instructions at your players doesn't always work it might you might need to do that in the playoffs but preseason just just let him solve it out uh but that wraps things up for first segment and we've got two segments coming up with uh, jay forster of locked on blue jackets first we'll head into the segment here um regarding denton matechuk some talk with sebastian about that that's coming up on today's episode of locked on nhl prospects Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets, guaranteed, when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose, that you can use on anything, ranging from spreads to player props to over and unders and far more. There's really no better time to join FanDuel than right now, so get in on the action. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Let's start off with the big guy. Um, I want to talk about Denton Matejchuk because he's a guy that has played in a handful of preseason games so far. And every single time I feel like people are saying, he looks NHL ready. He looks NHL ready. They haven't sent him back to Moose Jaw. Yet, obviously, CHL training camps kicked off, and uh, I believe the preseason is is happening kind of as we record this. 
But I wanted to kind of get your take on it because I know Matejchuk was kind of a reach for the Blue Jackets at 12th overall last year. But um, how do you feel about his like his ceiling, his potential? Like what what's what's your read on how he's going to do when he finally does turn pro? I was a pretty big fan of Matejchuk. I think I had him ranked like eighth or ninth overall that year, so he wouldn't have been a reach on a reach that much on my board. Uh, I think a, a year later on, he would have, he would probably fall down close to that fifteen range on my board in a re ranking. But I think that he's been progressing quite nicely. It's really just that other guys have leapfrogged him, like players like Lane Hudson, for instance, would have surpassed him on my board at this point in time. But uh, I think he's developing really quite nicely. Uh, with Matejchuk, you're getting a player who is really, really intelligent and super aggressive in the offensive zone. There are very few players that are more natural activators from the blue line or who are more aggressive in terms of activating and pinching up into the offensive zone than Denton Matejchuk. He's a very, very modern defenseman whose game is built on his intelligence, his skill, and his aggression. Uh, in the defensive zone, he's pretty standard. He's not necessarily the most standout defenseman that will catch your eye on every defensive shift, but he's really intelligent with how he positions himself. He's a very unique style of player because he plays this kind of Rambo-style offense, but backs it up with some pretty solid defensive play that's a lot more subtle in his own zone. And uh, the big question with him is whether the skating can really catch up to the speed of his brain in order to kind of ease that road for, for him to the NHL to be able to execute these really high-end plays that he's able to do versus junior competition against the best players in the world. So I think that a lot, I can see why fans are always very excited in terms of the high-end prospects coming in and making the lineup right from the start. But I mean, Columbus already has guys like David Yerichek that I think are going to be more active pushers for big NHL roles this season than Denton Matejchuk. Uh, Matejchuk was uh, a player that a lot of people in the skating community were a little bit skeptical on as a draft eligible just because of how unique of a profile he is. And that's why some people thought he was a reach at 12th overall because he's a bit of a big swing on upside. Uh, the the floor is not the highest here. And it's also one of the reasons that I would personally quite like to see him get an entire season uh, in the AHL just to refine his game, just to adapt to pro competition, because this is not a player who's going to outskate or out like muscle many players in the professional game. And when you don't have either of those two tools that are really an advantage when you're entering the professional level, it can be a bit tough to adapt, and Matejchuk's going to have to learn that, but he's so intelligent, and I'm not really very concerned of him failing to adapt to professional hockey. I just think it's going to take him some time, and uh, I mean, look, if he's able to impress everyone from the get-go in training camp, I've not really been able to watch him much in training camp this year, but if he's able to do that and crack the lineup from the get-go, that's awesome, but... I don't think the expectation should be for him to play an extended amount of NHL minutes this season, just because he's a pretty raw player still, uh, especially in terms of how his tools support his overall style. But he's a ton of fun, and I, I love that Columbus picked him. I think going with him in year check was absolute chaos at the draft in 2022. And uh, I, I think it's going to go very nicely. This is a great piece. The other thing is, though, 
Columbus has like eight defensemen already. And I, I, I can't say I overly understood this summer strategy of going out and acquiring two pretty big name top four defensemen. You can make your arguments about Ivan Provorov, whether he's actually a top four defenseman in terms of ability or not, but he's going to get top four minutes. And it, it to me, it seemed like there was such a clear turning of a page uh, with Yurichek and Matejchuk coming in, same thing with another, another player we're going to talk about, Stanislav Fozil. But I just, yeah, there, there aren't really these openings for these players to just take off. And I'd much rather see Denton Matejchuk get 20 minutes a night in the AHL and get stunted into a seventh defenseman role in Columbus. Yeah, 100%. I've kind of been banging the, the drum on Lockdown Blue Jackets for a while now that I don't think you can really overdevelop a defenseman especially yeah, when they take time i believe he's still only 19 years old um yeah so he's not eligible for the ahl he's going to be going back to the nhl uh, he doesn't make the nhl this season so was unfortunate there's there, there so many prospects where the ahl is like the perfect fit logistically right. and it's like ah yes the chl nhl agreement <laughs> comes in and buds in and makes everyone's lives miserable because yeah i, I I'm with you. I don't think Matejchuk has very much to learn in Moose Jaw for another season, but the AHL would be ideal. That's that's unfortunate. They didn't hit the cut, the age cutoff for that. That yeah. sucks. So that kind of is is my my next question. Is obviously there's been a lot of talk about Shane Wright getting this yeah. waiver for to play in the AHL if he doesn't make the NHL. Um, and there's been a couple of guys on Columbus that uh, people are saying, oh, Yamaka Klein might reach out and try to get waivers for Jordan Demay or Dent Matejchuk. And I was kind of on the boat of send Matejchuk back to juniors. If you have to pick one of them to play in the AHL, I would pick Dumay. Is that kind of where you fall as well? Do you think Dumay could benefit from AHL? Or do you think, like, if you had to pick one, which player would you put in the AHL and which would you send back to juniors? I'm still definitely a lot higher on Matejchuk than I am on Dumay. I still have a lot of questions with Dumay. But <laughs> if there's any player that's proven that he's, like, grown out of the CHL, it's Jordan Dumay. Like, I still have a ton of questions on how good he's going to be in the NHL, uh, the hurdles he's going to face on his road to being an impactful player. That's still very murky in my eyes. But he's, he has nothing left to learn in the queue. Like, there's nothing that he can learn there. Uh, he's maxed out in that league. And uh, I think with him, you can make a pretty sol solid argument as well if you're Yarmo Kekalainen to get him out of the queue, right? You can just like point to the point totals and you be done with it. With Matejchuk, it'd be a lot more difficult to make the same argument that that, that Seattle made for Shane Wright. So I, I think if one of the two, yes, Dume, just because another season in the queue would basically just be a flat line for his development, and that could be the end of the line for him in my eyes. Like I think he needs, like if any player in the Columbus system needs uh, a jump in in competition, it is Jordan Dume. So yeah, I'm with you on that one. Yeah, we've had a lot of people, uh, uh, like, because he scored, what, 140 points in the queue yeah. this year, which is nonsense, just completely bananas point totals. Um, a lot of people are saying, oh, well, he's NHL ready, and Ooh. I don't necessarily yeah. agree with that. But um, to, to get back to Matej Chuck, because um, otherwise we will talk all day about, about Dubai as well. Um, oh, yeah. The way I see it is I assume he's going to go back to the WHL, and then he's probably going to do what Stanislav Fozil did last yeah. season, which is get a couple of NHL games at the end of this season when Moose Jaw's season is over um, and then kind of go from there. But in the future, how do you feel about a Yurichek-Matejchuk 
top pairing for the Blue Jackets, because I feel pretty good about that. That'd be chaos. I, I, I don't... Ooh. Stylistically, it's not a bad fit. I, I don't know if I feel comfortable projecting Matejchuk as a number two. Mm-hmm. I think at this point, I'd feel a little bit more comfortable with him as a number three. I think if you have a second pairing, a Sfozil and Matejchuk, you are doing really nicely for yourself. And both of those players have played extended shifts on their offside, so both can play on the right if they need to. And uh, I, I still, I, I'm not sure if uh, Matejchuk can leapfrog, uh, leapfrog uh, Zach Wawrenski in that depth chart. That's kind of my, my big question here. Uh, I think that a Wawrenski and a Juracek top pairing is perhaps a little bit more likely uh, if you're looking at Columbus. Uh, but there's definitely still that, that, that like the, Matejchuk's upside still extends to that number two like defenseman slot in my eyes. It's more just I think Wawrenski's already there, and the likelihood that Matejchuk hits that is maybe like a 15, 20% in terms of likelihood that he is like that that bona fide top pairing guy. And when you're picking 12th overall, you're not really expecting to get a top pairing defenseman out of that draft pick. So I think number three is kind of what the expectation internally in Columbus is for him. And that's also kind of where I feel more most comfortable landing with him where he's kind of like your number three but maybe your number two offensive defenseman right like he gets that those second power play minutes for sure uh but as a at five on five that's a little bit more more of a toss-up in my eyes but it's still a possibility for sure yeah for sure i'd rather have guys that are maybe play so like i'd rather have a guy that is a really good third defenseman instead of a guy, that same person, playing as a not very good second defense exactly. number two, if that makes sense. Sure. I'd rather have them overachieving than underachieving, Yeah, uh, because I've just what, had an entire season of, of watching the Blue Jackets defensemen like, just playing oh, yeah. above their station, because uh, Wierenski went down 13 games. Everyone. Season, and then it got oh, worse God. from there, you know? I mean, Shout out to they're... number one defenseman Andrew Peak for large parts of this NHL season. I thought so, you were going to say like Marcus Bjork or Tim Bernie or something. Mm-hmm. You got you had so many names in there that were logging pretty big minutes for large portions mm-hmm. of the season. Yeah, I mean, it was it was real. Wasn't was Bjork on like the first power play for like twenty games or something? Yep. Yep. Yeah. It was. It was. It that was wasn't ideal. Yeah. <laughs> it was. It was such a time to be a Blue Jackets fan. Um, <laughs> All right, so that was uh, Denton, um, Jay Forster and Sebastian High regarding uh, Denton Matejchuk. Now we're going to move on to, their, to our final segment where they talk a bit more about Stanislav Swazil. Uh, in my opinion, uh, probably the best prospect in the in the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets defensive pool. That's coming up on today's episode of Lockdown NHL Prospects. The NHL season is finally here, and that's why I want to tell you about Sleeper. Sleeper is my go-to platform for daily fantasy sports and especially daily fantasy hockey. With Sleeper, you have a chance to win 100 times your cash on daily fantasy. The NHL has never been more exciting than it is right now, with stars ranging from Sidney Crosby to Connor McDavid and NHL rookie Connor Bedard. Simply select, more or less based on their stats and their projections for the season, a team that you think will do the strongest. Sleeper offers 100 times payouts, so start paying attention. Make the right picks, and you could win big. Use promo code LOCKEDONNHL, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's LOCKEDONNHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. 
But I want to talk about someone that we uh, that we just talked a little bit about, actually, uh, and that's someone that I'm really high on in in this organization. And uh, right up until they took Juracek and Matejuk, this guy was like, okay, this is my my favorite defense prospect. Uh, I want to talk about Stanislav Svozil, who had a just an absolute monster world championship at uh, world juniors excuse me um just gone uh played in the nhl made his nhl debut at the end of last season uh had a monster season in the whl playing with some guy named Connor bedard if you know if you've heard of him um how do how do you see svozil finding a path to the nhl because we talked about it a little bit in in the last segment about mateshak is it's kind of clogged the NHL path to, is at the minute. And so I'm looking at, at Stanislav Svozil, who in my mind is another option for a potential NHL spot, but he's got to beat out like six guys to get there. So where do you, yeah. where do you see Svozil kind of falling um, this season? Svozil is the one defenseman in Columbus's death chart, uh, who in my mind is a candidate of being like way too good to like, lose to the development curse of just like 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 staying in the ahl forever and just like not really panning out i think he's too good to have that fate but i i don't know if there's space for him so he might be the defenseman that gets moved in a trade of some sort just because there is no roster spot for him unless injuries happen again as they did last season and then he's gonna be playing top pair minutes before you know it but uh suppose a player that i have been a big fan of for a really long time Going back to his draft year, I didn't rank top 20. Uh, I, I was a really big fan of him in his draft year, and he was a pure defensive defenseman as a draft eligible. Uh, in his draft year, he's playing in Europe, and uh, his U18 tournament wasn't the strongest, which led him to, to fall down draft boards. And I still would have picked him inside the first round, but he fell all the way to the third. And, I mean, you guys got excellent value there. Uh, and he, in the WHL, he really learned how to – really layer a lot of offensive tools into an already solid defensive toolkit. So he he was already a pretty strong skater. He was really good at matching the footwork against opposing forwards on the rush. And in the WHL, he learned to kind of use that to layer lateral mobility into his own puck rushes going up the ice. And he learned how to become a bit, bit more deceptive and creative offensively. And as Connor Bedard uh, became Connor Bedard before our eyes in the WHL, Sposil had the best teammate possible. He had a, a cheat code that he could play with consistently, and he used that. He was one of the few players in Regina that was consistently using the talent that is Connor Bedard to push his own game forward consistently, game to game. He he was using that skill that he had available to him to push himself, and it was great to see and his stock skyrocketed afterwards and he was really learning how to become a far stronger playmaker with that high-end talent that he was playing with. And he's still going to have that in Columbus and uh, he's going to have a ton of really high skill players to play off of. So he's a player that I'm a massive fan of. And uh, I, I like every year at the draft, I have this, uh, this thing where I basically jot down a note of the player that I would have drafted of, uh, for a Montreal Canadiens draft slot. So going back to the 2020 draft. And uh, Spozil was in that 2021 draft class for me. I would have picked him in the second round with one of the Habs draft picks, which they ended up using on like uh, Luke Tuck, which wasn't the greatest pick. Um, I'm happy with mine on that one with Habs age. And uh, he's only gotten significantly better since then. Like 
he's a great transition defender. His defensive game is still really, really strong. And it's what he really built his draft stock on. But the fact that he's built such a strong offensive and transition game on top of that in the years since, it makes me so optimistic for his projection. I think he's going to be a really solid second pairing defenseman for a long time. I just don't know if that's going to be in Columbus or not. Yeah. Is it? I feel like every time you see a player that has a really good season next to. So, like, I always think about how when in Conor McDavid's draft year, everyone was like, Dylan Strome only got that many points because he was playing with with McDavid. And I think the same thing happened with Alex Debrinkat. Already yeah. hearing about Gavin Brindley, how he was only got these goals because he was playing with Adam Fantilli. And you got the same thing with Spozil. Yeah. Like, how... I'm not worried that yeah. Spozil is just a product of Conor Bedard. But, like, can you talk a little bit about that and kind of how... Like, what, what part of his game makes you believe that he can be an extremely good player even when he's not passing to Bedard. Yeah. I think so much of Sozil's value came from things that can't really be related to Connor Bedard. For instance, his transition defending was not that good because of Connor Bedard when he was already a draft eligible and wasn't even playing in North America yet. Uh, he has a lot of really, really awesome strengths. The production, sure. I, I'm not I, I'm not going to make an argument that I think that Sozil's going to be a 50-point-a-season defenseman in the, in the NHL. That said, I think he has the potential to be a really, really, really solid two-way piece. Uh, I think before playing with uh, with Connor Bedard, he was stronger defensively than offensively, whereas now I wouldn't say that anymore. I think he's just as good at either end. He's become a true 200-foot defenseman, and that's not something that was that, that is really reliant on playing with this with a particular player. It'd be different if he were. In my projection, a pure playmaking defenseman, where a lot of the va the value of his play comes from, like his assist totals or his power play distribution, and where that's really like the crux of what makes a player valuable and and projects as an impactful NHL piece for those reasons. But that's not really the case with Sosil. He's he's so well rounded, and he's not this good of a prospect because he put up a lot of assists, for instance. I. I, I don't look at production very much at all. Uh, like production every year that I keep scouting becomes less and less of a factor in, in my evaluations. Uh, there are still like still think point totals are, are are useful for as barometers for prospects, but they're so far from the the, the be all end all. And I think that Spozil playing with Bedard pushed Spozil to improve his own game rather than just padding the stats. It was really quite a fundamental shift in how he approaches the game in the two years after he played with Conor Bedard. So I I wouldn't be overly concerned about about uh, his, his totals just being like pumped up because of Conor Bedard here. Yeah, that is extremely reassuring. Like I was yeah. I was pretty certain that like all of like every time I watched his game I was like I feel like this is not a product of it, but it is reassuring to know that someone who actually does this as, as a living yeah. agrees with me. I find that extremely validating. All right. So that was uh, Jay Forster and Sebastian High regarding uh, Stanislav Swozil. And that wraps things up for today's show. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. For your second listen of the day, make sure to check out Locked On Sports Today. They've got all your news and updates about what's going on in sports. Uh, and make sure to tune in for tomorrow's episode as we continue our prospects coverage throughout the month of October. This has been Hattie Kalakesh with Sebastian High, and we hope you tune in next time.